welcome to another episode of The Rise of Jim Carrey. I am Dave. Tristan here as well. A shout out to our fans in Brazil. <laughs> Ola? I, I feel like that's wrong. I feel like immediately that's wrong. <laughs> I, I feel you've just gone for Dora the Explorer. That's... I think I have. Oh, like from Dora we, the Explorer. We found... Is <laughs> yum, yum, delicioso. <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't feel like... We've found out that we've uh, got Brazilian listeners and, yeah. <laughs> and alienated them. Uh, Immediately, but we we really appreciate uh, your listenership, I guess. So thanks for that. Today we are, of course, talking about the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Let's just jump straight (laughs) into the elevator pitch. I have no idea whose it is. We we never know. We never we know. Never know. Um, it, it's it's this is going to be a fun one for our listeners because we every time we get to this part we're like oh I don't know if it's you I don't know if it's me uh, and if they're they're doing it kind of in order they're like yeah. you guys are idiots yeah. you're idiots yeah and exi- which just you know to defend you as well our lovely listener I do the same thing on podcasts all the time <laughs> like they'll say something I'm like no it's obviously five and they'll be like oh I don't know and I'm like ah you guys are the worst please I hope you don't think we're the worst. <laughs> Look, it's very uh, easy thing for us to track, but eh, can't be bothered. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give it a crack. Okay, go. For I'll it. give it a crack. Um, I need the Bing. It's a slow. Start oh, it's a I'm pushing this, pushing this button. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah, one of them's out of order, so it's just taking a bit wow. longer. Wow, wow, yeah. reminds, reminds me a lot of our workplace. <laughs> Bing. Oh, oh there it is. Oh, hello, a uh, random film producer that happens to be in this list. Sorry, uh, there's uh, with social distancing, we can only have uh, a maximum of two people. Oh, what's that? Um, what's that old lady? One. I would like to get out of this lift, please. Mm. Uh, okay, see you. Have a lovely day oh, and Christmas. Okay, bye. Yeah, uh, this space. Um, I've got a BB idea for you. Of course you do. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you will be a film producer. Um, <laughs> who doesn't love magicians? Everyone. And who doesn't love magicians in the 80s? Everyone. David Copperfield, right? He's the best. Imagine Steve Carell playing a version of every comedian that you hated from your childhood with Steve Buscemi. They're a double act. Are they? There might be tension in there. You know Tron? Yeah. Olivia Wilde from Tron? Oh, that meant, yeah, I thought you meant the original no, one. No, I meant, I meant the much worse one that was made 30 years after. And that is one of my films. And I love it. <laughs> Jeff Daniels is my favourite actor. Um, but they're going to all be in it. Oh, just so you guys know, I know 100% it's Jeff Bridges. Just straight up. <laughs> I don't want to get any of you like, oh, you're an idiot. Um, I was going to say. Yeah. Well, I know, because I've seen all your movies. But also Jim Carrey's in it, playing um, a mixture between David Blaine and Chris Angel Mindfreak. It's really funny uh, and really good. You should definitely fund this film. Yeah, very confident there. Incredibly confident. So I'll just guess I'll green light it. Oh my God, thank you so much. Uh, bling, bling, bling. Great. Oh, that's, this is my flaw. Uh, ding. Great. That, Ta-da. I imagine that's exactly how the elevator pitch went, because <laughs> if it wasn't... I don't know how the film got made. Saying that, I'm ju- look, guys, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm going to probably be jumping all over the place today. And I, please bear with me. <laughs> this film took like three and a half years to make and six different drafts. That's always a good sign. It does, it does stir up some interesting things within me of like what didn't make it into this film. Because I can tell you what kind of didn't make it into this film was a plot. To be fair, it's 
Tristan and I talked about this earlier, but this film is basically guy likes magic, guy makes friends with magic, guy gets famous from magic, guy stops liking magic, everybody's nice to guy, guy learns to like magic again, guy's famous from magic. That's the film. <laughs> There's like no real stakes for him because like even though he's playing an uh, an asshole, he's still quite like you he's likable you know and then when you see a, like steve carell in the movie where he is the wrestling coach with channing tatum and mark ruffalo oh yeah yeah and and like he's proper creepy um that if I, I cannot remember the name of that film you should see it <laughs> um but like you look at him there you're like oh so he can do not nice but he's so nice and so charming that it kind of undoes a lot of this film for me, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Should we do by the numbers? Uh, what, what, are the, what are the numbers look like? Well, it was made in 2013. Getting close, getting closer. Get very close, guys. We're nearly at the end here. Um, and on the last episode, the last thing you're going to hear is uh, Vitamin C's graduation song. <laughs> I promise you that. It was directed by Don Scardino. Uh, who is known for... Uh, he has a lot of sitcoms. So he's mm. done 30 Rock. He's done like Two Broke Girls. Kimmy Schmidt, which is a great film uh, and TV show. Uh, I don't even know if it's a film. He's got the sitcom comedy credentials. I don't know if it transfers to film. Mm. The budget for this film was $30 million. How much do you think it's made worldwide gross to date? Don't you look at don't you look <laughs> at my notes? I, I I would think not much. I think I, I think it's probably just broken even. It hasn't even broken even. Wow. It's made twenty seven million dollars. Wow. Yeah, which is interesting because it's opening weekend. It only made ten. Now, if I know my maths, that means in seven years, this film has only made seventeen and a half million dollars which is like look let's be honest between you and me that's heaps of money, that's a lot of money. but when you're when you spend 30 million dollars that's that's a real that's a real stinker because that's a, that's that's quite a, a low budget in terms of yeah you know, hollywood and and which is really interesting about this film is like they they did a lot of practical effects as mm. well obviously uh the pigeon and the salt was definitely cgi <laughs> uh, but good cgi yeah but and, and that's and that's where it's it's quite interesting. Like I'm gonna like just chuck out a, an opinion super early because that is literally what we're here to do. I quite liked this film in the respect that it is incredibly easy to watch. You're like, cool. It's very very easy to watch. I think that this film should have been a home run. Yep. Like, you look at your cast. You've got Steve Carell, Steve Buscemi, James Gandolfini, Jim Carrey, Olivia Wilde, Alan Arkin, to name a few. Well, I think that's everybody. That's, they're A players. As Steve Jobs would say, they're A, they're A players. And it doesn't work. And it doesn't work not because of them. And I don't think it works, it doesn't work because of the direction I just there's just something missing in this film. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like very much a, a, a kind of misguided script process of, of 
what it probably initially was and what it turned out to be would have been quite different. And that, that, that's, I, I, I don't know the story behind it. I could be completely off base there, but that's kind of what I, I feel from the, the, the final product. Because uh, I, I did see this film in cinemas. Yeah, so did I. And coming back to it and kind of watching the trailer before I sat down and watched the film itself, I was like, oh, I have seen this film. I don't remember it. It looks really good. Why did I forget it? And then I watched it and I was like, oh, that's why I forgot it because it's a very forgettable film. I sat there and I think I had almost the exact same journey as you. And I'm pretty sure in the last episode I was like, I haven't seen this film. I'm really excited. And I got to the scene with the hot box and I went, oh, yeah, I've seen this. I don't know if I like this film. And that was kind of it. And then I got to the end of it and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. This film reminds me a lot, and I've been watching a lot of bad Christmas movies. Like, (laughs) in December, my lovely, long-suffering wife and I, one of our things to do is, like, go on Netflix and just watch all the bad Christmas movies. This movie reminds me a lot of them because they create these stakes, and this is absolutely my opinion, but... Because of the privilege of the main characters, there is never any stakes. Mm. I just I just sat there and was like, at no point am I like, Bert's in trouble here. I was like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. I, I think it comes down to a lot of logic leaps. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, 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 they, they just don't make sense. Like he, They were a very famous trio. We, we see them after 10 years. There's, their audience is still loving them and they're still... Packing out, packing out the house, and Jim Carrey's character obviously comes along and and spices things up. Yeah. But it's almost overnight that they've gone from famous to down and out, which just doesn't make sense. Like I, I, I can I can imagine if they did like a year or two after that, is going to go from going down the decline. But it's almost a couple of days after having this sell-out crowd that he's in a, a supermarket doing doing advertising magic. Yeah, I feel I feel like there's like beats missed, dear listener. This might be a very different episode because I feel like a lot of this is going to be like if they had done this or if they had done that. What would have been really interesting in this film is if the 10 years had been them meeting Jim Carrey's character, um, Stephen Gray as a child or as a young man and sort of fobbing him off and then he goes off and becomes this shock magician and then comes back. That's why he has a vendetta against them. But he's just this weird narcissist. Yeah. And I was and I even was thinking, I was like, even at the end, if they had revealed that like he Stephen Gray, for Stephen Gray, Bert and Antoine was like their Rance, who is um, the mentor to Bert and Anton. Even if that was a thing, so he's like, you know, like, I believed in you guys and now I'm jaded. And like, so then they can start this thing and it just gives it this like very Hollywood sort of wrapping. But I was like, even that, but it's, it's not. It's exactly like you said, like they're in a bar, they hear a sound, they go outside, they're like, oh, this is a magician. Again, Vegas is full of magicians. Mm. And then he does one trick 
Even though he's got a TV show, he does one trick and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, you're fired because this guy's heaps better than you. And it's just like, what is happening? Like, surely they would have contracts in place. They would, there would be so many things. They just like, like, and people, and audiences don't work like that. Yeah. There is not like 500 people in Vegas. There is like millions of people in Vegas. And, and I, I, I think that they they just didn't trust enough in in the characters and the, the, the character comedy here. It seems like they're very much borrowing from a lot of other more successful comedies of the time, uh, take, taking in some of the Will Ferrell stuff, taking in uh, the, the, the mentor stuff from Dodgeball and, and trying to, to borrow from all of these things that they know work because they don't have enough trust in, in what they had and it just ends up a, a little bit messy. We, we start out with this kid that's getting bullied, that, that finds this, this almost superpower in, in being a magician and, and finding his groove. And then we meet him as an adult and he's a complete jerk. And it's like, well, no, we're, we're, we're kind of with him because we've just seen his past and now you, you've turned him into a jerk, but we need to like him again. And, and I, I think it just comes down to not not really kind of trusting who the character is. Yeah. It, it's very much they they started out with this really interesting character and I, I think the Burton Antoine 10 years on comedy duo that are a bit jaded, that are, are kind of going through the motions, that Burt Wonderstone is this bit of a jerk. I think, I think that's a, a really interesting character comedy to, to start off from. But with all that kind of backstory, gets a little bit, a little bit murky and... Yeah. Because c- we see... Obviously, go from the kid to him starting out to him being jaded in a, a very quick amount of time. It's it's very hard to to judge where this character is in his his journey. Which I think, for me, the more interesting film, I think, would have been start with him as a kid learning magic, and then Anton. No, Bert tells a story to to Jane when they're walking past the fountain about their first magic trick. That they did together, which tricked a bully. Jump to that. They're like, yeah, we're a team. Then jump 10 years. Don't tell us anything. And they're in Vegas playing a show and they're jaded. And then you get him arrested. And then part of his community service is performing for old people where he meets his heroes, rediscovers their passion for magic. Then they reunite and the show goes on. Like oh. the show's going to be cancelled. It isn't cancelled. I'm like... That's a much cleaner, lovelier film. But that's not what we get here. Yeah. What we get here is like three different films in one. We get the redemption of Burt Wonderstone. We get the Jim Carrey movie, which is a very, very different film. And then we get Goodfellas, yeah. which is what's going on with, can I just say, <laughs> James Gandolfini. Yeah. My gosh. Always loved James Gandolfini. And I watched this and I was just like, man, he's so good. Like, it just made me so sad for losing him all over again. I was yeah. like, you're so, like, you just, he's one of those actors that's just so effortlessly good. Yeah. Like, you know, he just rocks up and he's just like, cool, I'm just going to do this. And everyone's like, what is this? Okay, let's just go with that. Yeah. I feel like he was like, I'm going to play Goodfellas here, you know, or Casino. Like, yeah. I'm just going to play that. Because that's what they want. And, and, and that was lovely. But like three very, very, very different films, which I don't really think... The birthday party. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to get to that. Is I was just like, what the hell is happening at this party? Like, I was like, I get it. Like, he's a shock thing. I was like, that, like I don't care who that guy is. Kick him out. Like, oh. Sorry. But, but also in, in that scene as well is we get brand new information about him building this new hotel and there's this talent competition that he'll be doing to, to get the headline. That's... What that 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 should have been introduced way earlier. Yeah, that, like that that that's yeah. that's almost a, an inciting incident or or, or like you make a, the movie goal. you make the movie that like they're friends. I'm just gonna pitch you different versions of this movie. They're friends and then they have a show and it's a pretty good show and they're getting they've got a following but they need their big break and their big break is this talent show. But they're up against the big guy who's Jim Carrey's thing. And he's like, oh, you guys do old magic. And they're like, oh, no one's going to believe in us. And then they go and they win and that launches their career. That's a great film. Yeah. That's a fantastic film. They meet their hero. He's like, no, you guys are actually really, really good. Here's a couple extra things. And they win. That's not the film we get. The film we get is like, hey, yeah, everything kind of works out for these guys. Yeah. But, but at the same time, is like four or five different films in one. Yeah. And it just can't decide on what it wants to be mm. and just doesn't trust enough in the actors or the story itself to, to explore the dynamics that they've set up and instead of relying on these kind of external, oh, this, this is a storyline that works in a comedy like this, this is a story that, that works in a comedy like this, rather than creating mm. something unique or different, which it very well could be because they're such interesting characters. They're such talented performers. There's some great moments in here, but narratively, it's just all over the place. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, for me, I'm like, you don't know where the comedy is. Because normally in a film like this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like... You have, like, you, okay, you look at 40-year-old version, right? A Steve Carell movie. The comedy is Steve Carell's character coming to terms with his sexuality, mm. basically, at a, as a 40-year-old man. In this film, they are just, mind my language, throwing shit and seeing what sticks. Yeah. Because you've got, like, Steve Carell is doing, like, his pompous character and one of my notes I, I didn't take very many notes to be honest on this film but one of my notes is like watching Steve Carell freak out is possibly one of my favourite things mm. of all time because he f does it so well so they're like but I thought and they're like you know like you've got that sort of stakes of like he's this like comedian and now he's freaking out and this that and the other and then they kind of go to Jim Carrey who is just doing this completely different thing like, he's doing Jim Carrey on crack, and that is saying something. Again, I love it, but the two of them together, it's like, mm. this is really weird. And then you've got all these other little jokes that are kind of going on with um, Alan Arkin's character. And then you've got this kind of stuff that's going on with Olivia Wilde, where he's like coming of age, but like is kind of a sexist, but kind of not, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, but what is the joke? Yeah. Is the joke that he's wrong and he has to change in the world or the world is wrong and he's going to show it? Because in the 40-year-old version, it's kind of like he's been denying himself this thing and then when he gets it and it's great, he then has to take that leap 
and 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 basically catch up with the world. But he learns that like he doesn't have to change who he is, mm. and that's kind of the journey. But that's also the comedy of it as well. I have no idea where the comedy was here. Like there was, there was, I, I genuinely laughed out loud at this film in like three parts. But I was like, give me a little bit of like, where is this? Where what? Who is the funny? person here and who's the straight person and a lot of time I, I didn't know not to say that that like comedy has to be that formulaic like I'm a massive like Arnie Donna fan and like Monty Python and people like and the Goonies and, and people like that Goody, Goonies? Goodies Goodies yeah, Goon Show that's what I meant like so I'm I understand there are different forms of comedy but sometimes you just kind of need to be like this is actually for me again this is actually like this is the joke that we're running with, but then like bridesmaids. Yeah, these are the this is the joke, but like this is the world, and the, and the joke there is kind of like the world of wedding, the wedding industry, and brides and stuff, and competition is what's wrong. What actually matters is friendship, and they tried to do that in this, but also like he and Antoine, like Anton, not Antoine. I I can't speak today, guys. <laughs> like. Breaks both of his ankles, has a massive fight. All, last thing he says to him, hates you, goes off. And then they meet in a bar and he's like, you're my best friend. And I was like, that's it? Oh, you just need them to be together so we can get on to the next plot point yeah, of, yeah. of how they're going to knock everybody out. Sick. And that, that was just easy. Sorry, round's over. <laughs> no, it, it, it's fair. It's fair. It, it's it's uh, a character comedy with just too many elements and and they can't focus on, on one to, to let it shine. It just ends up, up a little bit messy. Mm. Some of the good stuff that they, they've got in there, I, I, it, it could have been so much better, but the, the, the general premise of, of this kind of send-up of, of uh, Siegfried and Roy I think is just so clever and... Mm. Both uh, both actors kind of play that role super super well, and, and and believably at the same time, it's it's like this is this is Vegas. This is this is what you 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 kind of get there. And even Jim Carrey, who is for me the the standout in terms of comedy, mm. oh yeah, um, is was laughing at absolutely everything that he he does in this film when he sleeps on that bed of uh, Coles <laughs> and his snores are a scream. <laughs> uh, I forgot and I lost it. I lost it. I was like, that is, see, that's just genius. That's yeah. just hilarious. We'll, we'll get into this because I'm, I'm going to tread on your to- toes a little bit in terms of, of his performance. Um, it, really interesting that this is a, a, one of the very few, if, if first, Jim Carrey films that we've got where he is a supporting character. Yeah. Technically, this is not a Jim Carrey film. No. And I, <laughs> we finished watching it and I turned to my wife. I'm like, this is not a Jim Carrey film. I don't know if we should be doing this. And she's like, well, we've done it now. And I was like, <laughs> okay. No, I, I think we should because I yeah, think yeah. This, is a, this is a different um, side to Jim Carrey that we, we haven't yeah. seen is, is the supporting actor. And I think he's having so much fun with it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of pressure in a way was taken off of him where he can just go and play. Um, and, and, he, and he does. And the, the character that we get is super spot on, mm. those, those kind of shock magicians. Well, Chris Angel was a consultant on this film. Yeah. And if you don't know who Chris Angel mind freak is... See, okay, confession. I am a massive David Blaine fan. 
like massive, massive David Blaine fan. And the first time we meet Jim Carrey on that street, I'm like, oh, this is David Blaine. This is 100% David Blaine. <laughs> and then I looked at him, I was like, yeah, he's like the perfect meeting of David Blaine and Chris Angel. Um, but like Chris Angel, like this is his bread and butter. And I was like, he's the perfect person to use as a base for a lot of this as well. But yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I think he's just like, I'm just, I'm just swing for the fence, like. <laughs> but but also we get he he kind of plays on that Jim Carreyness as well. Mm. Is he plays it so straight for for most of the film, plays it very seriously, and that's that's part of the comedy here. Um, and that the big kind of punchline to his character is the drill in the brain, and when that happens, we get slapstick, uh, rubber face mm. Jim Carrey, and it just it just makes it. Can I just also talk about like as an actor? The physical control to turn one of your eyes in <laughs> on cue. Like, if I found out that was CGI, I'd be like, okay, but I don't think it is. Yeah. I just think he can do that. Yeah. That is, like... Disturbing. At home, unless you are a child, which I don't know why <laughs> you're listening to this, but, like... Just try and turn one of your eyes into your nose without moving the other. That is so hard. Yeah. And he does it like perfect. And then holds it there. (laughs) And just holds it there. I was like, that must have given him such a headache. Yeah. But like phenomenal, like physical control. Uh, Just makes you so uncomfortable with that drill. I I just, the one thing I really loved about his choice and his character, this weird faux mysticism <laughs> where he was like say stuff that's like in a really deep way and you're literally like what is he talking about <laughs> like because like that's one of my great joys in life is is people like that yeah. and the way he does it and you know and and the thing with david blaine as well like he's always incredibly serious and he's always like yeah no when he's like punch me in the face <laughs> there are definitely like things with david blaine where because david blaine's got this trick where he gets people to put ice picks through his hands mm. and stuff. And I was like, that's where that's come from. Yeah. And he very I'd seriously is like, put the, put it, stab it through my hand. And I'm just like, that's actually really intense. Like, punch me in the face. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I thought like they were going to do an illusion where he takes the card out of his cheek. I thought they were going to like show him removing like a prosthetic, like a fake cheek or something. And I was like, no, no, no. Just for the rest of the movie, like he's got <laughs> stitches on his face. I was like, that's a better, that's a much better offer. That's a much better offer. Like, yeah, so good. Oh, yeah, it, it, uh, yeah. He, he, he saves it for me, I think. Yeah. He kind of saves it and ruins it for me <laughs> in a way. Like, yeah, no, I can see. Because I want to, I want to see, I want to see that movie. I want to see the Steve Gray rise and fall movie like basically this movie but about that character mm. is the movie i i want to see or i want to see the burt wonderstone movie i think and he's such a weird villain as well because he's kind of like he's got nothing to do with anything like he just happens to be the new kid on the block who's a narcissist but also like he's kind of harmless like he hasn't sabotaged them he hasn't spoke ill of them he just kind of was like, yeah, you guys are old school. Yeah. That's all he does. He comes up to the bar, 
Which fantastic joke, which is when he walks away and he kind of like floats <laughs> away. It's like so good. Like it, it's the weird trajectory of this movie is is Bert Wonderstone is such a jerk and and like it, he he's like oh he's just a bit weird, a bit bizarre, but he's not the bad guy. No. He's just some guy. And then they were like, oh, we need to make him the bad guy. So he just does this stuff at the the birthday party, and that's the scene where they're like, oh, we need. We need to propel this to a conclusion. Let's mm. have a scene to make him the bad guy mm. instead of making him the bad guy from the start. Yeah. It, 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 I, I kind of put him to... I'm, I'm going to go to Dodgeball again. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of the Ben Stiller character. But without... But we, 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 without the, the, like, the hatred. They sort of force it in in that one yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, I think what would also like, have been a much more interesting film is the film almost the way it is, but he actually doesn't care about them. Like, he never talks to them until the very end when they do the final trick, and then he's like, yeah, that's cool. And that's it. Like, the whole time, he was like, I was never your enemy. Yeah. It was actually Doug Money who was making me your enemy. But I think what you guys... Like, that's an interesting film. Then, like, oh, no, he, we need it. Like, it's, it's classic Hollywood. We need a bad guy. There has to be a bad guy. It's like, not all situations have a bad guy. Like... Doug Money isn't the bad guy. Doug Money's a businessman yeah. who's like, your ticket sales are down. You're costing me millions of dollars. I'm going to get someone else. See you guys later. Like, your partner's gone. You're terrible. See you later. Well, a ticket sales are down overnight, apparently. Apparently. And the thing is, like, anybody who's ever done any live performance of anything over more than one night, it is okay to have a quiet night. If, if your show's not sold out every night, then we're closing you down. I'm like, well, I can, Doug, I'll be honest, I can see why you're losing money. But also, you run a casino. You're, 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 fine. you're, fine, you're fine, dude. You're fine, dude. Going back to Jim Carrey's performance, this is the role he was born to play. Yeah. 100%. He's got the right amount of, like... And it's a perfect time in his career to play it as well. Because he actually is doing a lot of work on himself at this point in his life. But he's also... And, and lost a lot of weight for this role as well. He looks amazing. Mm. My wife was like, oh, damn. And I'm like, <laughs> hi, <laughs> you watch yourself. But she's like, he looks really good. I'm like, apparently he went on a pretty full-on diet cleanse regime. Uh, but yeah, worth it. Especially when he takes off, when he's got this, that chain tattoo. <laughs> oh, so good. There's so many like little things in his performance where you're like, that's genius. He's the perfect combination of like can play arrogance and depth, but also can make something very, very funny, very serious mm. and hold it, which is which is fantastic. Brain rapist. <laughs> I was just like, oh, um, I think my favorite part in other than the um, the screaming on the fire <laughs> is when he nails the puts the nail into the table with his head. <laughs> oh. Because I saw that, I was like, oh, that's where that joke's from. Like, it's just so good. The way he does, like, his, like, his physical stuff in this is so good. But when he hits it and then, like, flies back and it's like, <laughs> you got any other? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you're just like... Because it was interesting, like, looking at who else they wanted for that role was like Matthew Broderick and Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen, I'm like, yeah, 100%. Matthew Broderick, though? 
It, it would be interesting to see him. It would have been. It would have been a more equal film, I mm. think, with him and Steve Carell. I think it would have been a very different film. I feel like he would have been just another, not like a shock uh, magician. I feel mm. like he would have just been a different magician. Yeah. But I just thought it was really interesting that like Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick are up for the same roles because I would have been like, nah. <laughs> All in all, one of my notes is that this film has a lovely heart uh, to it. Like, it's a story about friendship and it's a story about this, that, and the, like, you know, like, at the end of the day, like, you could take your kids to this film and be like, hey, don't do anything that Stephen mm. Gray does. But, like, you know, they're not going to be, like, traumatized and I'm going to be scared and, and there's probably some lessons in there about friendship and hard work and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, just a bit of a... Bit of a swing and a miss for me, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it it, it should have it should have been a home run, mm. but it it just is a, a a story not told well. Like it's got a lot of heart. It's mm. it's got some good messages in there. It's got a, a really interesting, bizarre punchline. Mm. Um, but it's just it's yeah. just not it's just not set up well. It's just not told well. It's it's like I said before. It's five different films in one. It had a stacked deck, <laughs> and they had to flop. Ah, uh, there we go. Casino, uh, the only card <laughs> references I know. Nailed it. Yeah. Oh, mate, did I ever? <laughs> I did. Like, I didn't mind the start about them, like him being bullied and them finding each other. Like, I thought that was actually really good. Yeah. And I thought Steve Buscemi was really good. Um, he just wasn't given a lot to do. He really wasn't. I thought. I, I feel he got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. A little bit. And I feel like a little bit the same with Olivia Wilde mm. as well. My wife and I were like, please don't get together. No, it was I feel it like I feel like that was such a cop out. Yeah. I was like, yes, they're gonna get together. I was like, why? So they could do a, a, a really naff magic sex scene. Yeah. I felt like they just had a whole bunch of jokes. But yeah, I was just a bit like, Ugh. Which you could do, you could have done all of those jokes as well. Earlier with Britta, who was in this film. Britta from Community. I cannot remember her name, but she's a great actress. The opening scene is shot in the... It's supposed to be set basically making Steve Carell 10 years younger than he is as an actual actor. And I feel like that's actually one of their issues. Yeah. Because he's... Then you look at him and you're like, he's older and gross. And that's one of the things they're leaning into with like the, the wigs and mm. the, the clothes. And it doesn't work because they're also like, well, but, oh, but he's young and he's sexy. And it's like, no, he's one or the other. Yeah, it just, uh, yeah, he's all over the place. Yeah, it really is. And it could have been so good. Yeah. It could have been so good. Especially that's it. I, I saw the trailer and I was like, why, why this just looks like a, a really interesting movie, a really funny movie. Mm some great characters and a very the, the whole kind of Vegas magician thing I think is ripe for, for, for comedy but they just yeah they just couldn't follow through yeah which is a shame yeah because you know especially the uh, you know the 27 million that it's made I think speaks yeah. to that you know but Jim Carrey absolutely hilarious uh, Steve- again something different from him Jim Carrey amazing they're kind of all amazing separately like, James Gantfenny, as I've said, is amazing. Olivia Wilde, I think, 
is really like trying with not a lot. Steve Buscemi trying, not really got much to work with. Steve Carell is great. Just, I don't think he was knowing where the film was going or something. I don't know, you know. Well, it, it, it's they're very talented actors, very talented comedians, mm. and they didn't have a good script to work with. Yeah. And that 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 was their their let down, and and that 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 works for things like Anchorman, where where um, where they kind of had this bare bones script, mm. and and improvisation is uh, a, a big part of films like that. Whereas I I, I feel that there wasn't a lot of improvisation in yeah. this, where it could have made it work a little bit better. Yeah, I feel like there was probably. There's a lot on the cutting room floor where you're like, actually, that's hilarious and that kind of solves a problem. But they're like, no, no, no. Like, we want to... I feel like they well, also... The, the, the problem is they need a coherent story and yeah. that's that's in the edit room. That's what they've kind of pulled out. And I think the, the, the more funnier elements are, mm. are, have probably had to been, be left by the wayside. So they have this coherent to their standard I guess mm. um, film even though ultimately it is still all over the place and, mm. and um, just just throwing too much at it yeah um, and, and maybe that's the problem there's just too much narrative yeah keep it simple yeah actually maybe yeah yeah I did say that a lot like you just got it's just a simple story yeah if, if they kept it simple mm. maybe let the actors mm. play a little bit more play with each other a little bit more, kind of improvise a little mm. bit more. Um, it might have made a, a much more like interesting... I like, I loved all the, like, the robotic dancing and all that stuff in this show. I was like, lean into that. Like, le really lean into this idea that they've done this show a million times and they do not care anymore. Like, but they didn't. They kind of like give you a little taste. The best, one of the best bits for Steve Crow in this whole film is when he goes and tries to do the show by himself. <laughs> and he's like, when I was friends with myself as a child, like, you're like, that's great. That's yeah. great. But they don't, go, they don't go far enough. Yeah. I feel like they play it safe when they probably should lean into it. Yeah. You know. And the, the only one, uh, I think, taking risks with their performance is Jim Carrey. Yeah. Which, let's be honest, he has done. If you look back at every episode, every episode, we're like, this is a guy who is swinging for the fence. Yeah. Like, he is always trying to sort of push. And I feel like the one thing that they really capture about Jim, in Jim Carrey's performance is, and I feel like the extras and other players around him are really looking at him going, we don't know what you're about to do. <laughs> and I feel like there's like, especially the bit with the, um, the, the coals, <laughs> they're all like, what is he going to do? What is the joke? And then when he does it, they're all just like, and the guy throws up <laughs> and then starts clapping. It's like, so it's brilliant. Last quote here from my lovely wife, who I, I know is not listening to this. That's such a stupid film. <laughs> that was her quote. As the final credit rang, she turns to me and that's what she said. And I was like, well, that summed that up. So what are we, what are we doing next? Look, there's, there's not much more to go. Sonic is not next. Not next. There's one or two between it? There, 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 there's a couple. Do, do you want me to work back from Sonic? Okay. Uh, we've got Sonic. Yeah. Before that, we've got Dark Crimes, which looks interesting. Mm, that's the one with the shaved head and the beard? Yeah. In the picture? Yep. Uh, and the Bad Batch. One of those, 
I, uh, I'll, I'll need to look into it. One of those is, uh, I think according to Rotten Tomatoes, his worst film. Worse than the number 23? Apparently. Okay. Uh, before that, we've got Dumb and Dumber 2. That's going to be interesting. Uh. Um, uh, but the next one is Kick-Ass 2. Oh, I have not seen this film. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm interested to revisit it. I'm a big fan of the first film. Yeah. Not so much of the second film, but again, he, he delivers a very interesting performance and it's another film where he is not the, the lead character. Yeah. I I don't even know that I knew that he was in this film. Mm. Because that's like Nicolas Cage. Uh, where well, he's, he's not in the second one. Oh, really? It's uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Oh, okay. And um, uh, and uh, Chloe Moretz. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I might have to watch the first one again, maybe. Do uh, I need to watch the first one? I'd, I'd watch the first one because it's a much better film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also, it, it kind of sets up a lot for the second one. Okay. So, so, you, so, might, so. you might have to watch both. That's okay. But I'm going to be really interested to see what you, you yeah. think of... of of these films because they're they're very stylized and, and very very different than what we've seen before. Okay, cool. I'm excited now. I'm excited. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to to revisit it after after yeah. a few years. Yeah. Um. Well, guys, that is that is it. We are done. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry if we went off on massive tangents <laughs> today. Um. Thanks for coming back. Um. If you liked what you listened to, please subscribe. That helps us. Leave comments, like it, depending on what platform you are listening uh, to this on. Is there anything else that I should do, Tristan? That's uh, that's just, yeah, Um, show us some love. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, that is it for us for today. See you.